Greetings, and welcome to Etzheim's weekly podcast, recorded live in Richardson, Texas. We invite you now to join us for one of our synagogue's Shabbat messages. Shalom. It's good to be here with you. I am in a Passover mood because uh, the reason I'm in Dallas this week, coming on Monday and then leaving uh, tomorrow, is uh, Passover. I mean, the, the reason is, is Passover reason. Because uh, I'm doing seders for Dallas Theological Seminary in uh, an attempt to shape and impact the evangelical Christianity in uh, United States and worldwide uh, for the future. The interest is huge. As uh, maybe as some of you know, uh, like on the side of my ministry in Germany that I'm doing there and uh, in Europe, I'm also commuting once a month to Dallas to, uh, to build the Jewish studies at Dallas Theological Seminary. I see much reason. So it, I think it's, it's sort of like revelation of God that was given to me and to the leadership of Dallas Theological Seminary to uh, start the degree, MA, Master of Arts in Jewish Studies, Master of Theology with emphasis in Jewish Studies. We're in the process of uh, starting Demean Doctor of Ministry in Jewish Ministries, and uh, it's one dimension of what uh, I'm trying to do here. But another dimension is also to educate the student body and faculty and staff of Dallas Theological Seminary in Jewish things regarding the Jewish roots, Jewish background, but also the importance of Jewish people and the plan of God with the Jewish people even today or in the last 2,000 years. Probably you know that uh, in Christianity, Jewish roots are considered important for the exegesis or for the Bible interpretation. So Jewish studies usually considered as something related to the Old Testament and to the New Testament background. But what happened afterwards with Jewish people, so after Yeshua, after his death and his resurrection, is not so much of importance. So from 2nd century after that's so second century AD, and it's not after COVID, it's uh, usually. <laughs> well, anyway, so uh, from the second century, second uh, uh, century, it's the it's not uh, necessary any longer. I mean, what uh, what is regarding what regards Jewish people? We are trying to change the status quo because God is faithful to his chosen people, Israel. He is still in covenantal relationship with them. And because he cares for the Jewish people, he works in the Jewish people, among the Jewish people. What is very important for us to understand that as God was preparing Jewish people for the first Arrival of our Messiah Yeshua. Back then. He's also working among Jewish people. Through 2,000 years. Almost 2,000 years right now. To prepare them. And to prepare the world. For the return of our King. 
without so-called intertestamental period or second temple period in Jewish history. Sometimes even called the period of silence as God was, well, sort of silent after the last prophet in the Bible through the first gospel. God never was silent talking of Jewish people. Because just keep in mind Hanukkah and all the development of Jewish ideas prior to birth of Yeshua prepared the way for us to understand the gospel and to understand uh, Yeshua in his cultural environment. In the last 2,000 years, God has been working among Jewish people. Navigating the rabbis, navigating traditions, customs. We don't know how exactly Yeshua was celebrating Shabbat, but we know how we should celebrate Shabbat today. How we know that? God was giving wisdom of the previous, to the previous generations of our Jewish sages to show us how we should do it. We celebrate the Passover and on this coming Wednesday night, Jewish people all over the world will sit at the table and celebrate the Passover. And then in diaspora also sometimes on the second night. Do we know exactly how Moses celebrated Passover as he was going out of Egypt? The first generations after Egypt. How did they celebrate the Passover? We know only that they should be properly dressed. Ready? They had to have lamb and bitter herbs and matzot, right? Nothing else is said in the Torah directly. We don't know even how Yeshua was exactly celebrating the Passover and what was the Seder back then. Many things that we have in Seder was developed, developed, were developed later. But the thing is, for example, Afikomen. Many of you celebrated Seder before, right? So you know Afikomen, right? I don't think that Afikomen was there. I think that the Messianic uh, Jew, Jewish believers introduced the Afikomen to the, uh, to the Jewish people. It's Yeshua and the table, but I think you will talk about that when you celebrate the Seder. I'm not going to deal with that. But what I, what I mean, God, the God of Israel and his supernatural wisdom he was navigating jewish people in the way for yeshua to be present among our people and when he will come back for our people to be ready and recognize him the establishing of the state of israel this year 75 years we celebrate was it a coincidence no it's another step in the preparation for the return of our King, Savior, and Messiah. Would you agree with me on that? Somebody, uh, you know, just uh, what amuses, amuses me sometimes. I, I meet believers who tell me we need to celebrate Passover in the way Moses did it. Well, I, my answer is like, I was too young. At that time to remember. <laughs> we need to celebrate Shabbat as Yeshua did. Well, I haven't seen YouTube video about this. What I know is 
how Jewish people celebrate the Passover today. What I know is how Jewish people, it is how Jewish people celebrate Shabbat today. And that's what matters. Because if God is faithful to the Jewish people, he's also faithful in guiding them in all the biblical or Torah observances. Somebody told me, why are you celebrating this? Uh, why are you celebrating Shabbat in this way? It's later tradition. I said, the answer is pretty simple. I'm Jewish. You can celebrate uh, the holidays in a biblical way, whatever you believe it is. And I will celebrate it in a Jewish way. Why? Because I'm Jewish and I'm part, I'm part of my people Israel. Anyway, it was an introduction, okay? Now we are coming to the message, the Passover. The Passover is, is considered, rightly considered, the feast of uh, our freedom. We celebrate our freedom. But at the same time, Passover is the celebration of God's love. In the Jewish tradition, Passover is known as the feast of love. When we open the Passover Agadah at the very beginning of our liturgy for Seder, we read and we say, And you have given us, Lord our God, appointed times for happiness, holidays, and special times for joy. This festival of Matzot, our season of freedom and love, a holy convocation in memory of the exodus from Egypt. In your gracious love, you granted us your special times for happiness and joy. The word love is twice in this, uh, in this in just introductory prayer for the Passover Seder. In your gracious love. That's something special about our God. The love of God has always been at the core of his redemptive work. And this is particularly highlighted in the Exodus. The Passover story has a special witness to a gracious love of God. Between God and the people of Israel. In the beginning of the story, do you remember the story how it begins? The Jewish people suffering in Egypt. Their life is very bitter. Right? That's why we eat bitter herbs. Their life is bitter and they cry out. Oy way, it's so bad, it's so painful, it's so horrible. And what does God say about this? Let's, uh, let's, read for, uh, let's read Exodus chapter 3. From Exodus chapter 3. Verses 7 through 9. The Israelites groaned because of the slave labor. Oh, sorry. It's Exodus chapter 2 verses 23 through 25. The Israelites groaned because of the slave labor. They cried out 
and their desperate cry because of their slave labor went up to God, God heard their groaning, God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the Israelites, and God understood. My goodness. The Israelites were not believing in God even in Egypt. Just think about it. As Moses was talking to God, he was, telling, he was asking him, what should I tell them what God sent me? Who did? Can you imagine the Israelites, they should be explained. It should be explained to them what God sent it. They believed many, maybe in many different gods. Even Moses, we are not sure if he knew this God because God was introducing himself to Moses. Can you imagine? So, hi, how are you doing? I'm God. This is my name. <laughs> I'm actually the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you know Abraham? So, have you heard of them? Like a legend, old legend, or something like that. When we read the beginning of the Exodus story, it's like introduction. God said, nice to meet you. I'm God. Oh, I'm Moses. Who are you? Just what should I say to the Israelites who sent me? What? Just repeat it. Just repeat your name. It's like, it reminds me myself, because I'm very bad with names. I forget the name like... uh, one second after you introduce yourself to me. I'm sorry. Nothing personal, by the way. It's just like limitations of my memory. Not just because of my age. Just because I have always been this way. Anyway, that's, that's the situation. That's the situation with, uh, with Moses and in his talk to God. So we, we know that Israelites were sort of ignorant of God. And that's why they were complaining so much also in the story. But then they were sitting there all working hard and they cried out. And it was just like, ah, it's so painful. It's so bad. It's so difficult. I don't know where they were crying to. It's not written so clearly. There are indications that maybe it was even directed to the God of Israel, but Regardless of that, the God of Israel was the only God who heard their groaning and their cry. That's something special about the God. We are not sure if they were addressing him. But he heard it anyway. And he saw it. He heard it. And he understood. In the book of Genesis, we see the God as the God of covenant, the God of creation. We see him as powerful, who can create and who can destroy. But only in the story of Exodus, for the first time in the Torah, we see God as the God of love. The God who hears our groaning. The God of compassion. The God who can understand us. The story of Exodus is the first story in the Bible that shows us the love of God so powerfully and so explicitly. Let's read from Exodus chapter 3 verses 7 through nine. The Lord said, 
I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their uh, taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. I have come down to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them up from that land to a land that is both good and spacious. To a land flowing with milk and honey. To the region of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites. I, I have difficulties to read it in English. And Jebusites. Uh, and now indeed the cry of the Israelites has come to me. And I have also seen how severely the Egyptians oppressed them. That's the God of Israel. He listens. He sees. He has compassion. He comes to rescue. That's the story of our God. I'm always fascinated about, about how God reveals him in the Passover story. God explicitly emphasizes that the exodus from Egypt proceed, uh, proceeded from his love. For his people. Just if you would turn uh, to. Or. Just turn to. uh, uh, Deuteronomy. Chapter 7. Verses 7 and 8. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Verses 7 7 and 8. It is not because. You were more. uh, Numerous. Than all. The people. uh, Or all the other people's. That the Lord favored and chose uh, and choose you. For in fact, you were the least numerous of all peoples. Rather, it is because of his love for you. And his faithfulness to the promises he solemnly vowed to your ancestors. That the Lord brought you out with great power. Redeeming you from the place of slavery. From the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Our God is the God of love. His love caused the exodus. And his faithfulness. Faithfulness in love. If he has chosen somebody, he is faithful. If he loves somebody, he helps. Look. What was the main reason for God to lead us out of Egypt? Just tell this word. Love. Would you say this word? Love. Well, why are you so shy? Love. It's his love what brought us out of Egypt. You are loved by God. It's not just a simple love you. Just bye bye. You know, just on a side note, in Germany, parents, or just children, <laughs> seriously, they have difficult, they, it's like to say love you, I love you, uh, it's not appropriate in many cases. I like you or something like that, so different words, because this word love in the culture, they're reserved for the spouse. We have different cultures and different uh, expressions. But 
Sometimes it's so difficult for us to understand that we really, unconditionally and faithfully loved by somebody. Maybe you might feel yourself lonely today or yesterday or just generally. Maybe you feel like nobody loves me or everybody betrayed me or abandoned me. You are loved. And the story of Exodus is an explicit evidence of God's love for the people of Israel. But the consequences is much far, much more far-reaching. And we are going to talk about that a little bit in, in, in a few minutes. The people of Israel were not righteous. We know that. But God led them into the land because of his love and faithfulness. God's fatherly love was the foundation of the setting apart and redemption of the Jewish people and of his unconditional close relationship with them despite their unrighteousness. In Proverbs chapter 10 verse 12, it said that love covers many sin. When God loves... He does everything not to notice our sin. He covers it. Do you remember our journey in the desert? We were constantly complaining. We went out of Egypt. We saw what God did. We came to the sea. We stood there, we saw the armies, and the first thing we did, Oi! Gewalt! We went back! Why did you lead us out? We forgot about God instantly and, his, and forgot about his power because we didn't know him well yet at that time. We were complaining, and then God opened the sea. We passed through. We sung the song. We danced. And the very next day, what did we do? We complained. Oi, we want to eat something. He gave us manna. Oh, it was nice. And easy bread. It was tasty bread, and it was enough. But then we complained again. Water! Give, we need to drink. Ah, there is a water from the rock. Nice. Pam, water. Ah, so good. Good water. What we did next? We complained for 40 years. God never abandoned us. God never, God never set, us, set us back. He never destroyed us. He never left us in the desert without his presence. He was there. Those of you who have children, you understand how it feels, right? So if they're disobedient and we need to do it and, and they're complaining and we, need to, uh, and we need to deal with them on a daily basis and we do it, Why? 
because we love them. You are not necessarily the best man and your spouse still <laughs> with you. Why? Because <laughs> just because it must to be this way? No. Because she loves you. Love and faithfulness, they go together. You're very much loved by God. Leviticus chapter 23 marks Passover as the first holiday of the religious calendar. It's the first feast. Awareness of God's love, especially highlighted during Passover, reminds the people of Israel of their value in God's sight. God initiated the relationship and his love gave the Jewish people the security and the courage to uphold their covenantal responsibility throughout the year. The Passover, the Exodus story, sets the understanding of who we are in the, God's, in the eyes of God. At our congregation, uh, till, the, uh, till before the last Shabbat, I taught through the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is a very special book. Sixth chapter. And the three last chapters, they are telling us how we should live. But the first three chapters, they tell us who we are. Because to do something good and to live righteously is much easier and better possible when you understand who you are in God's sight, in His eyes. When you understand your true self, your true identity. And in the book of Ephesians, in the first chapter, it's written, you are predestined. God knew you before the creation of the world. He created, in fact, this world for you. It's written there that you have all, this, all the blessing in heaven. There is no one single blessing left. You got them all. You are loved. You have so much grace over grace. Your sin is forgiven. In chapter 2 he says, Paul writes, Oh, you are just, you are a heavenly citizen. You are seated in heaven already. And there is nothing what can, can separate you from that. It's not because of you. It's not because you are so nice, so wise, so good. No. But by his grace. And then it's written, Listen, if you are Gentile, there is so much grace for you, actually. Because you got everything what Jewish people should have without you, actually. You are joining Jewish people on all the blessings. It's not deserved. It's called grace. And then in chapter 3, Paul continues that. And he describes, listen, I praise my ministry, actually. Because I'm a servant of grace to you Gentiles. 
Jews, Gentiles, we are blessed in Yeshua. We are loved in Him. We are, we are in His love and grace. We are like swimming there. We are sitting in heaven. We are blessed for everything. There is nothing what we are missing. We are heavenly people. And chapter 4, Paul, uh, Paul starts by saying, Now, just live according, according to your calling. If you understand who you are, the only thing left is to live according to your calling. With Israel, it's, uh, it's very similar in the, in the story of Exodus. Namely, God loves you. By his great love and faithfulness, he brings you out of Egypt. Now, just get yourself on a journey according to who you are. My firstborn Israel. The love of God celebrated regularly during holy festivals, festival days such as Passover should naturally strengthen, uh, strengthen his people's love for him. A concluding section of the Seder in the second half of the Hallel quotes Psalm 116 verses 1 and 2. I love the Lord because he heard my plea for mercy and listened to me. As long as I live, I will call to him when I need help. So the understanding how God loves you should move you to love God in response. It's included in the Passover Seder as well. This psalm is attributed to David and is specific to his circumstances. However, the Jewish Passover tradition also relates this text to the redemption from slavery in Egypt. So this is this psalm, according to the Jewish mindset, is the Exodus psalm. It affirms that God's redemption will produce love from, from the redeemed to the redeemer. Being loved by and loving God should naturally encourage people to love others. The annual remembrance of the Exodus story helps cultivate this attitude. In Leviticus chapter uh, 19, verses 18 and 34. Just if you have your Bible somewhere in printed or in digital device, just open. Leviticus chapter 19, verses 18 and 34. You must love your neighbor as yourself. And the resident foreigner who lives with you must be to you as a native citizen among you. So you must love the foreigner as yourself. It's not period there, but a comma. Because you were foreigners in the land of Egypt. I'm the Lord your God. Why should we love others? Because God loves us. You are loved by God. 
And if you want to live accordingly, you love him and you love others, even foreigners. I do believe, maybe I'm a naive, you know, but I do believe that if we do understand the love of God to us, we can love others better. We can love others well. The, the hate, worse, problems in relationships, struggles of neighbors and co-workers, and many, are, many troubles between people, I think related to the fact that we don't understand how much we are loved. Loved by God. Even in, uh, in psychology, it's, it's understood that those children who are growing up without love and don't feel the love of parents, they have some issues later. We need to understand that we are loved. And the Passover story is the means to that. Means for that. And during Passover, Jewish people read the Song of Songs, a passionate, romantic, explicit, and even erotic love poem that describes the relationship between a man and a woman. Just Song of Songs and Passover. The Jewish perspective sees a deep connection between this poem and Passover. Since ancient times, Jewish rabbis saw in the songs of song an expression of the covenantal love between God and the Jewish people. This poem adds passion and romance to the great love story of Exodus. I want to emphasize it. Exodus, the Passover story, is the greatest love story we can find in the Torah. Just thinking of celebrating Passover this year, saying of the great love story of Exodus. That story is meaningful to all of us, particularly to Messianic believers and to Christians. Something extraordinary happened about 2,000 years ago during the celebration of, the, of Passover. Do you remember? Do you, you know what I'm talking about, right? 2,000 years ago, God miraculously manifested his love again. For this is the way God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's as you know in John 3.16. It is no coincidence that Yeshua, the Messiah, died and was raised to life during Passover. The feast of love. Yeshua acted out of love. His resurrection is the ultimate affirmation of God's love 
to all nations. God gives this Passover love story to all peoples. And by God's grace, all who follow the Messiah are now part of this love story. Just think about that for a second. Passover was the perfect time for Yeshua to sacrifice himself on our behalf for our salvation. Because the Passover, because the Exodus is the love story. The love of God was manifested in a tremendous way during the Passover several thousand years ago as we went out of Egypt and 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem because God loves you. I don't know if you feel it. I don't know if your sense have sensed this morning that God just hugs you. He touches you. But he does. You know, he just had your head this morning. He touched your hand this morning. He just cherished you this morning. Maybe you didn't feel it. But that's the reality. He loves you. He loves you dearly. And it's not up to your feelings. Although we like the feelings. When I feel God, I'm so happy. But when I don't feel Him, I know that He loves me regardless. He is next to you right now, especially if you are suffering. If you are struggling, if you have some challenges and problems, God is nearer to you than if you are enjoying happiness. He can rejoice with you. But if you are suffering... Just remember what happened during the Exodus. He heard, he saw, and he came to help. It's great to be in joy and happiness, but it's also very important to understand that God is with you even when you suffer. And he loves you even more. And he is the God who sees, who hears, and who comes. He loves you dearly. This is the love story of Passover. Particularly in what Yeshua did for us. As believers, as followers of the Messiah, Passover reminds us, as it reminded the Messiah's first disciples to follow his example in loving God and loving other people. God loves us compassionately and unconditionally. His love is sin in what he says and does. He loves us well. Let us go and do likewise. Just remember, you are loved dearly, compassionately, unconditionally.
Praise the Lord. Amen.